Hello and welcome. Today, my guest is Amanda Gibby-Peters. Amanda is the voice and visionary of Simple Shui, a modern-day, mission-driven, love-based practice of feng shui. She's been teaching feng shui techniques and tips for over a decade, witnessing the breathtaking life transformations of her readers and clients. Her work has been featured on Architectural Digest, My Domain, Food 52, Lonnie, Mind, Body, and Good, and Amazon. She was recently named one of Instagram's best feng shui accounts by the Spruce for her vibrant and innovative influence on creating positive spaces. Amanda is Dallas-based with an international clientele where she lives with her husband, twin daughters, and their rescue dog, Ruby. I had so much fun talking with Amanda about how feng shui can influence your health, habits, productivity, and even your food choices. She shares lots of juicy tips, and I think you're going to love this episode. So enjoy, and let's dive in. Welcome to the Nutrition Edit Podcast for high-performing women who want to up-level their health and feel their best in their bodies, careers, and personal lives. In this podcast, I'll sift through the latest nutrition and biohacking trends to filter out the bullshit, share what you really need to know, and help you put the good stuff into practice in a way that works for you. You'll get actionable tips from guest experts and myself on how to up-level your mindset, workouts, relationships, and environment, and start feeling like the badass woman you are. Join me as we bust through the bro science and male-centric health paradigm to help you achieve optimal performance, body, mind, and soul. Hey, Amanda. I'm so excited to have you here today. Welcome. Thank you for having me. I'm excited for this conversation. Thanks for joining me today. I'm super excited about it. And there's so many questions I have for you. And I know that this is going to be a really beneficial episode for everybody. And so, yeah, let's just jump in. I'd love for you to tell me a little bit about yourself and how you got into doing feng shui in the first place. So that's a great question, and it's a little bit of a lengthy story, so I'll shorten it for the sake of our time. I actually came into feng shui as a huge skeptic. I had moved to a new-to-us home with my husband and our, at the time, three-year-old daughters, and a lot of stuff just started falling apart. We were really stressed. Things that had been problematic all of a sudden seemed to be just gnawing at us, and I immediately thought, oh, it's just the move, big life change, that kind of stressor. But after about six months, I was at my wit's end and I grabbed a book and I just thought, whatever I see is my answer. And it opened to feng shui. And when I read it, I thought this is so silly because I've just moved to a new home. How can my home be causing all of this, right? I didn't understand feng shui at all, but I took it as a challenge. And I thought, well, at the time, blogs were really big, so I was going to try feng shui and write about it and probably show everyone how it didn't work. <laughs> that was my thought when I started it. And you know what I really love about that is I am so able to see people where they're at when they're skeptical or they have their own resistance to it, or they're like, this doesn't make any sense. Because off the page, a lot of times it doesn't. But once you get into conversation with someone and you start realizing how much practical common sense this really comes from, it's a lot easier to wade in. So what happened to me was I just started making changes that were within reach, that made sense to me, that I could stay consistent with because I didn't want to flake or not be sort of academic in my approach. And it wasn't that anything changed immediately. And that's something that I will offer people all the time. Feng shui is not transactional. It's not like you do something today and then tomorrow or this week, big life change. 
But what I did notice is as I was making changes or being more mindful about what we were doing in our home, our house started feeling like a home and I was intrigued to do more. And within, I would say a couple months period, maybe a few months, we did have some really big life changes. Ones that I could either just stack up as, oh, this is a coincidence, or I could acknowledge something was going on. And that's eventually where I ended up. I was like, okay, I don't think I want to be so skeptical anymore. I'm really curious what's happening here. And so I became the student and that's what got me on this path. That's really cool. Can I ask what, I mean, I know whenever we move, obviously we've got boxes, we've got things going on. We haven't necessarily found a home for everything yet. But when you were in that space, were there specific elements that you were like, okay, like this is stressing me out or hey, maybe just this idea of moving things around with feng shui could actually help. Was there anything like that for you that kind of just- I think what it- Yeah, I think what it was are like nothing felt right and I couldn't Mm -hmm. put my finger on it. So initially what I thought it was, and I think a lot of people make this mistake, is I thought, oh, my furniture is all wrong for my house. I don't have the right things. And it was a logical- assumption because we had moved from a much smaller home. We had lived in Utah previously. So we had a small little home on the mountain. And then we moved to Texas where the homes are big and the ceilings are tall. And so it looked like I had a bunch of dollhouse furniture (laughs) in my house. Right. And so it did feel off. Like if you came in, it wasn't pleasing to the eye. So I thought now we got to replace all the furniture. I was thinking it was all physical, Mm. but As I started learning about feng shui, I had always been someone in touch with intention, but I didn't understand environmental energy so much. Like any more than like, oh, you might go into a room after someone's had an argument or something's happened and you can sense something's off. I didn't realize that that was a 24-7, 365 thing. And so in- Yeah, that's a fascinating idea. Yeah. And so all of a sudden I started making these connections like, oh, my things are saying something about me, but not like what sort of design trends or magazines or now today's social media leads us to believe. Like it really was a reflection of my inner state. And it was also the energy that we were steeping in. And so as I started to read and study and try to figure out, like untangle these knots, like what is this feng shui about? I started realizing there was something else at play. And one of the most fascinating stories about my journey was there were a lot of aspects of feng shui that felt a little too big of a leap for me, you know, because I had just graduated with my master's in communication. I was planning on going and getting my PhD. I, you know, I like very much proof, logic, things that made sense. And so this was like wading out into the unknown for me. And one of the things that I came across was this concept of space clearing, clearing the energy in your home. That felt really weird, but I was like, okay, I'm just going to do it, right? We're trying everything, so we might as well throw this into the mix. And I did this whole ritual through our house. It was fantastic, genuinely felt really great. But it was a couple weeks later running into someone who casually mentioned, oh, I knew the people who lived there before. How are you liking the home? And I was like, we're kind of getting used to it. And then she just casually mentioned that the people who had previously been here were so unhappy. They had so many issues, you know, in their marriage with their, you know, just juggling kids and work and money. And it felt like all of a sudden, oh my gosh, like that's exactly what we inherited when we came into the home. And so 
the things that were going wrong weren't necessarily us. It was the energy that we stepped in. And I explained to people, it's sort of like slipping into someone else's shoes and trying to just navigate through the world, right? Yeah. It's like a different experience. And so that's that for me was probably one of the more profound moments. And luckily it was early on in my journey because then I started seeing, oh, this is so much more than just what we see. This is so much more than just moving our furniture around. This is the conversation right. people need to have in their hands. That's so cool. I love, I love hearing stories like that too, because it, it really is such a palpable energy when you walk into a space and you get that vibe one way or the other. Right. And I think that that's just that sixth sense thing. So that same thing that we have innately where you can feel someone watching you or you can feel someone's behind you, something odd like that. Like we, it's a real sense. We just tend to write it off because it seems a little woo woo maybe or esoteric and we just don't really tap into that. But it doesn't mean those things are any less active or real or present just because we can't see it and it's not really obvious to us. Yeah. So I think that that's fascinating and I really, I love it. Another episode down the road that we're going to have is someone talking about energetics and quantum physics and this is all very intertwined. So very much so somehow. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Cool. So I'd love to hear about first the ritual that you did initially that made things shift for you. And then I'd love for you to share just a little overview of what feng shui is and how it works. Yeah. So initially there are two things and I talk about this a lot, one of them a lot on social media and in all, you know, the different spaces and places you find me. So the thing that I did initially when I decided, okay, I'm going to prove that feng shui doesn't really work. I started buying fresh flowers for our house because it, it was associated with wealth. Money was a huge issue for us. It seemed like we came here and even though things were supposed to be less expensive, somehow money was coming in, but going right back out. And so there's this idea that if you are in the presence or you, you know, sort of cultivate the consciousness of abundance, then you too will then attract abundance into your life. So that's why I went with the fresh flowers also because I could pick them up at the grocery store. So it kind of was like an accountability partner. I couldn't like skirt out of it. So that was the initial ritual I did. And like most people, I really sort of had a grudging attitude toward it. Meaning I was like, it's too expensive. It's not worth it. There's no special reason to do this. Like all of the excuses we use. And what I've learned over the years is the very thing that we want is usually the thing that we resist allowing into our lives. And we just don't look that closely at the excuses we're using. Right. So I made friends with the grocery store people and just said, tell me what days your fresh flowers are coming in so I can get them. So they'll last the longest. And then I always wanted to know what was least expensive. And that was my on-ramp. So that was the ritual that sort of became the connective tissue. Right. And then in terms of the space clearing, you know, what I did was I went through our entire home and, and this is on my blog so people can find this, but I went through my entire home and cleanse the energy. You know, there's sort of a template for doing it, loosened it up, then cleared it out. I worked with a smoke bundle at the time. And then I went back through the space and based on the feng shui map, I said intentions for us. I said them out loud in each area of the map, sort of reprogramming the space, claiming it. So it was ours, so that it was aligned with who we were and what we were forecasting instead of what had been sort of left behind residually. I love that. And when you were doing that at the moment, did it feel kind of silly? 
or were you so like, no, you know I tell people crisis. today it's so it seems so ubiquitous like people like it's so funny how many people are holding a smoke bundle on TV and like oh I've got to clear the space I've got to clear the energy but honestly this was like 2007 this was not something that you just went to the store and found or you could just you know you've got to think Facebook was just coming to life. Instagram didn't exist. And so it was really one of those, yeah, like I was going to the mystical shops and trying to find different things to work with. And I did, I I was way out of my comfort zone, but because I went there and did it and not only had the, okay, something has shifted in the space. Like I can't deny that it feels differently. And then you know, sort of the proof of it a couple weeks later, running into someone who just casually and randomly starts this conversation with me. Yeah, I was like, okay, I get it. I get this now. And, and it was honestly one of the things that I pushed the most when I first became certified, because I thought how many people are living with energy that they're negotiating or managing that's not theirs. You know, it just felt like such a powerful thing to offer people this different way of looking at what they're dealing with. And maybe it wasn't even theirs to deal with. That's so beautiful. Something that I tell my clients frequently is identify what is your own stuff and what is maybe your parental baggage or baggage from X that they put on you, something like that. And then do this visualization around like actually like handing them back their luggage and saying, this is not my baggage to carry anymore. (laughs) And, you know, again, it feels silly sometimes initially, but I think that there really is so much of that. It's very pervasive in our lives and yeah we don't tend to think of it in our spaces the way that we do you know maybe on a psychological level right so yeah that's really powerful that's really cool um, yeah well we also think a lot about cleaning our feed right like following people who feel good not following people you know yeah. who don't make us feel as good we think about the what we put in our bodies we think about you know the different products we use but we don't right. think so much about like the quality of conversations we're having in our home, the media we're watching, what we bring home with us from the world. And this isn't, you know, I don't want people to break out into like this need for, you know, over cleansing, but just being mindful that just like you dust and vacuum or sweep and, you know, clean your home, you want to energetically clean it too with some sort of consistency so that a lot of that everyday life that can start to build up is able to sort of be released and refreshed too. Yeah, exactly. It's just another form of detoxification in a different area of our life. You know, a lot of the work that I do surrounds, you know, detoxification on a physiological level. And again, not being paranoid and being terrified of all the things that are potentially bad for you out there in the world because you would drive yourself crazy. But just do what you can in your daily life to kind of mitigate your exposures. And so I think this is just another form of that in another aspect of our lives. Yeah. And your home is, daily basis. it's always in the backdrop, right? So the thing I think yeah. that people, you asked me, you know, what feng shui is and, you know, my favorite description of it, I have a couple, but you know, when you translate it, it really is just bringing yourself into alignment with the energy of fortune, right? Like feng is wind, shui is water, wind represents energy, water represents fortune. So you're, this practice is bringing yourself in alignment with the energy of fortune but not fortune the way that it has sort of been capitalized on, like, you know, money, inheritances, quick, you know, wins, that kind of stuff. It's everything that creates, cultivates, allows you to have and live a good life. 
So everything that you feel necessary, and it's different for everyone, you know, but everything that you feel necessary would fall sort of under that umbrella. So when you start to think about your home, these four walls and a roof, you're under its influence all the time. And if you're not a little mindful about that, that can work against you as much as if you're deliberate about it, it can work for you. Yeah, absolutely. Very cool. So when it comes to our health, obviously this is what this podcast is about. And we're talking about, you know, all aspects of our health beyond the scale and diving into ways that we can really kind of optimize our well-being. So how can feng shui make a difference for our health for better or worse? Obviously it can have an influence on our stress. I know that I'm someone that's very sensitive to my surroundings. And if there is clutter that will stress me out, sometimes I won't even realize why I'm feeling edgy. And I'll look around and be like, oh, I I really need to clean this room. Or, you know, there's one room in my house right now that's kind of ending up as a catch-all because we haven't had time to really purge and and clean and organize. And I just don't go in there. Like I just subconsciously avoid it. So we know it can, you know, feel stressful if our space isn't in an organized state or whatever. But when it comes to our health as a whole, talk about that a little bit and how, you know, this can influence us, not just on a mental health level, but physiological and, and everything. Yeah. So, I mean, that's another great way to look at feng shui is your well-being is under the influence of your surroundings, right? And so one of my favorite exercises to take people through is to look at your space, go to a space that you really love. And it can be a room, it can be a corner, it can be a shelf, it can be a side of the bed, but just describe what you love about it. Think about what you really love about it, you know, and if you want to do this and really get the win, you know, pause here and write that down. And then what I ask people to do is go to a space that you don't like. So, you know, the room you just mentioned, and you can say, it's a catch-all, you know, we're super busy. You can sort of describe the way it feels, what you feel. Think of when, you know, you pass it as you put something else in it and sort of describe that. And the big reveal here is that when I have people do this, I'll have them remove the name of the space and replace it with I am. Mm -hmm. And so your home is always a reflection of you. And so the great thing about this exercise is you have a template for what you love now, what feels good to you, sort of some guiding principles, if you will. And then the space that you don't love is an opportunity to tune up the quality of energy that you're living in, right? Hello, amazing woman. If you're enjoying the show, I would love to connect with you over on Instagram. Just find me at Wellness and DM me the words nutrition edit. I'll add you to my close friends list where I share exclusive content and you'll be the first to know about my upcoming masterclasses and programs and get early access to my waitlist. Okay, now back to the show. This is a really great way to start to practice feng shui is to look at things metaphorically. There's a great quote or definition that I came across when I was brand new to feng shui. And Barry Gordon, I think is the name. He was a, he's a physicist. He said, you know, feng shui is the intelligent use of environmental metaphor. You know, and so it's this, I love that feng shui is the intelligent use of environmental metaphor. Mm -hmm. So when you start to think 
about how you want to feel. And again, this gets so nuanced because everyone has different ideas. If they're being honest, you know, and not trying to sort of carbon copy what society tells us, but what is healthy for you? What feels good to you, right? And finding ways to represent that in your space. Because again, you're steeping in this influence. So programming your space in a way that reminds you, speaks to you, encourages you to hold to those intentions, that's the way that you use it to trigger the opportunities and the results that you're looking for. So when it comes to health, that's a really big way to do it is where are you settling? What are you tolerating? And it can be clutter, but it can be a lot of other things too, right? And I say that because I think sometimes health can be, I'm so exhausted. Okay, then go through your house and figure out where your house is wearing you down. Mm -hmm. A lot of times it's things that we've just put off that we think we don't have time for, but the actual cost is it's wearing on us every single day. Yeah, sapping energy. You know? Yeah, and if we just took care of it, maybe it would take a couple hours, maybe it would take a whole weekend, maybe it would take longer, but however much time it would take probably isn't as long as it's been allowed to sort of sit there and erode away at your energy, right? So that's one I'm laughing because for us procrastinators, that's <laughs> yes. I know. Yes. I know. And so you know what's true. interesting? Procrastination, I, I have a lot of clients who do that. I think it's another form of perfectionism. Absolutely. It's like Definitely. we think, oh, I can't do this until it's going to be exactly right. And so right. again, we put feeling a little better off for that perfect moment to feel totally better. <laughs> Which is actually bullshit if we're honest with ourselves, right? That doesn't exist. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. It's the little upgrades. It's the little mm -hmm. moments. But here's, you know, like speaking specifically about clutter, and I don't mean clutter just for sort of those of us who think hoarding. I mean clutter, anything that is not of use, of need, or that you love, sort of just getting a pass, a layover in your house is that as you move things out, as you move things to a space where you can appreciate them, however things need to be shifted or sort of, you know, rearranged, you open up a different way for energy to pattern through your life. And this is why, you know, all the shows that have been so successful lately, like, you know, the Home Edit, Marie Kondo, Queer Eye, even when the minimalists were out, all of these shows, why people get so evangelical about it. Because when you move things, you are literally changing your life. You're changing the way you see things. You're changing the way you feel. And so by just moving things around, even if it's just a small section of your home, you're going to get that win. So I, I will tell clients and you know readers on the blog and the socials, just go for a little bit. A little better is a little better. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, I can and it builds that. momentum quickly. Exactly. Yeah. That feeling mm -hmm. of success, it's motivating, it's energizing. You want more of it. It creates that positive feedback loop in the brain, right? So totally. Yeah. And since I've been chatting with you and getting to know you, I have had more fresh flowers in the house and I now what? I don't any, have them right now because I just had to toss out my old ones. They're getting funky and I cannot wait to go pick up more because it just brightened up everything and not just visually. It just felt good. Yeah. So that's where I'm starting. <laughs> yeah. And, and actually that's small purges with things around. 
around. And that's so good. Like opening up energy. Think about just, I mean, you're, you deal with the body. So allowing things to flow is exactly what you're trying to create through your home. And then what is going to invigorate that flow? And that's what fresh flowers do, right? So we'll take supplements, we'll eat things that are high in antioxidants or, you know, whatever, more fiber, like whatever it is to just sort of optimize our body. That's what you're doing in your home. You're optimizing your environment. And studies show over and over that the spaces we're in affect our brains and our bodies. And, you know, we all know that our thoughts have so much control over how we feel and we get kind of stuck there. But, you know, when you start thinking about that influence and then how your feelings are driving your mood, your behavior, your decisions, which are driving your outcomes, you start to go, oh, my space kind of does matter a little bit more than, you know, I think. And we need to be a lot more conscious about what we're letting in our space. Meaning, you know, I think this became really clear over COVID where before that people had been so focused on the aesthetic, like I've got to have magazine lifestyle pictures. Everything's got to look a certain way. I've got to stay on top of trends. And while that hasn't gone away completely, COVID made a nice amount of room for comfort, real comfort Mm. to come back into the conversation. So what actually makes you feel good instead of what will make other people think you feel good. <laughs> yeah. Big distinction. I love it. Reality versus the highlight reel. <laughs> there you go. So speaking yeah. of that, you know, a lot of the people that I work with are pretty high-powered professional, mostly women. I've got some guys in there, mm-hmm. but mostly women. And, you know, when we're talking about optimizing our space, I want to talk about some specific areas in our lives. But, you know, since you mentioned kind of optimizing our space, we're talking about optimizing energy specifically, because I think that's a huge, probably the biggest complaint that I hear from potential clients is that they wish they had more energy. They're having these energy dips throughout the day. They don't wake up feeling rested. Like they're pretty spent and stretched thin by the end of the day. And so how about, before we move into specific areas of the home, what are your thoughts about professional space? So some people are working from home, but even if it's an office area that they're working at the house, whether it's a dining table or if it's an actual office space, mm-hmm. what are the biggest things that they can be aware of or think about as far as feng shui for productivity, energy, mental clarity, creativity, et cetera? That's a great question. So I'm going to do a quick plug here. I'm going to give you three answers, but I'm going to do a quick plug. I just released a new freebie for people who sign up for my newsletter, and it's how to feng shui your office. It's like a 14-page magazine, so it has a lot of really great ideas. The first thing that I encourage people to do, if possible, I get not all spaces allow you to do this, but is to sit in command. And I'm going to explain why, because there's, again, this is a common sense thing. Command is, I want you to think sort of mafia boss mentality. You have something solid behind your back and you okay. can see anyone coming into your space, right? So if you think of an executive's office, you know, you're, you're saying sort of the high profile people, a lot of times their offices are already set up this way, but a lot of people when they're at home aren't working in those spaces or they've got like a desk up against a wall right. or they're just trying right. to, you know, take whatever is available. And over COVID, totally fine. We did with what we could, but 
here's why I think this is so important. And it has a lot more to do with how you feel than it has to do with looking like the boss. When we have our back to the door or we're not fully able to see who's coming in, who's approaching, what happens is our subconscious through no choice of our own, we're just wired this way, is on alert. And it's like, okay, I got to stay attuned to anything that might be coming out of nowhere, might be coming up behind me, might, you know, come around the corner and I not see it. Now, again, I said at the beginning, feng shui is not transactional. So a day, a week, a month of this is not going to be a big deal. But if your subconscious is hovering on high alert day after day, month after month, year after year, that's going to have some inflammation right? Like you're going to feel worn down because really what starts to happen is you've got part of you that's paying attention to keep you safe. And then part of you that's trying to do work, you know, move through whatever you're focused on. And so there's like this decision fatigue that starts to happen Mm -hmm. because you're trying to manage two different things. Whereas if you're facing where you can see people coming into the space, you're fully engaged with you know, whatever it is you're working on, because you know, if someone comes in, you can see it. You can handle that. You take this into the metaphorical sphere of feng shui. And what that really represents is being able to see opportunities so that you can take advantage of them as soon as they appear. But it's also being able to see problems before, you know, they get past you. And so there's a lot of common sense. And then there's a lot of sort of feng shui win. And I bring this up because again, I've been doing this for so long. This is one of those things that people like to think is optional. And again, not all spaces cater to this. So I get that. But if it is something you can do, it makes a huge difference. And I'm thinking mostly energetically, like all of the opportunistic wins, fantastic, but just how you feel day after day. The other thing I would say, two other things that I would say are great for an office space, like just how you feel, is clear your desk. And it doesn't have to be every day, but when we have a lot of things on our desk and we don't take the time to sort of clean up and organize and prepare the space for us the next day, it it tends to yield a lot of unnecessary drama, right? And it doesn't mean Mm -hmm. drama necessarily with the people around you, but just how you feel. And again, think about like that drip, 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 drip everyday exposure. You know, eventually it's going to wear you down. And then the other thing, because we're all so tech connected, we're just, you know, we're all getting screen burn every single day. Having fresh plants or at least a plant on the desk is such a fabulous way to increase productivity you know, kind of help absorb some of the energetics coming off of the devices, but it also lowers blood pressure. You know, it's just a great thing to have a fresh plant. If you can't do fresh, faux will work too. But having something in that space that, you know, brings in mama nature, right? Like you will hear people talk about biophilia, you know, this idea of having nature in your space. And it's because when we're in sync with nature, our well-being thrives. So those are three things that are pretty simple to do, you know, without a lot of, right? Like you don't have to, it doesn't need to be cost exhaustive, you know, other than moving some furniture around, probably not that much effort either. Awesome. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. It's, I have an office here in the WeWork space and it is set up like that. Like I have a wall behind me and then we all have glass doors 
And yes. my clients will sit across the floor, you know, from me so that they don't feel like they're on display, but I can see whoever's coming down the hall, who's coming yeah. up. And aside from just having an office space outside of my home so that I don't have the typical daily distractions that I do at the house, mm -hmm. I am so much more productive when I'm here, exponentially more. And my energy is always better. I'm more alert. It really does make a difference. And also I'm just, you know, I don't have stuff piling up on my desk or anything here like I would at the house. But I do need to bring in the, the fresh plant because I've been working at home so much more since COVID started. So I'm not here every single day. So I worry about them dying. <laughs> but maybe that's something that I have that's a, a portable plant that I bring in with me. Times yeah. Yeah. There are a lot of plants that are super forgiving, you know, like ZZ plants and snake plants. A lot of them are super forgiving. If you can just water them a little bit at the beginning, you'd be surprised how long you can let them go. So there are, I think yeah. it, as long as your space lets you have plants. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. And for those of us too, I think who are in an office regularly, there are now so many cool floral delivery programs that are really affordable. Yeah. They'll bring you something, a beautiful arrangement you know, once a week on a Monday and then they'll take out the old one and they're reusing the pot and composting the dead flowers or whatever it is. So I think that if that's- I love that. Yes. Time. I would say yeah. to everyone, if I could nudge you to do one thing, that would be it. <laughs> cool. Okay. <laughs> Buy yourself the flowers, everybody. So energy levels in general, is there anything that you want to add when it comes to that that's specific? Because I want to talk about to our bedrooms. And how it yeah. our sleep. I mean, I always tell people to create a sanctuary in your bedroom. Mm -hmm. But I think, you know, obviously you can give us a more detailed explanation of, you know, what does that mean? How can you create that energy in your, your bedroom so that it does feel like this place of rest? You know, we always tell people, reserve your bedroom for sleep and sex only. Don't work mm -hmm. in your bedroom. Don't watch TV. Don't spend much time like sitting, you know, on your tablet or your phone in bed, like try to reserve yeah. those for other rooms so that the brain isn't associating the bedroom with work or anything that's going to make you anxious or restless. So what are your thoughts for that? Because obviously sleep has a huge influence on our energy throughout the day and we want people waking up rested ideally and sleeping soundly. So what are the yeah. big tips for, for bedrooms? So everything you just hit on, absolutely. Like the star attraction of the bedroom needs to be the bed not the TV, not the Peloton bike, you know, not any of that stuff. If you are able to have the bike somewhere else or any of the workout equipment, great. I know, again, over quarantine, people had very specific, you know, like everyone was working ho at home. And so, you know, some people set up shop in the bedroom in that. And in those situations or even kids who, you know, school from home, I say, okay, then just at least work from somewhere other than your bed. Like maintain mm -hmm. that as precious space, right? Don't invite the whole world into bed with you, all right? Yeah. But in terms of like the TV, I know that that can often create resistance. And I get it. People love it. It's a nice way to self-soothe at the end of the day. It's a great thing to fall asleep to. But it is emanating its own energy. And so if you're someone yeah. who has trouble sleeping, it's actually disruptive. It's kind of like alcohol. You know, alcohol makes you feel tired, but then it actually right. will wake you up in the middle of the night. The TV exactly. can be the same disruption. And so instead of like, take the TV out right now, I will encourage people cover it up. Mm. See how you sleep. A lot of times if you have that conversion of getting a few nights of really good rest, you will want to move the TV yourself. 
So you're right, like the EMS and that kind of stuff. But a few other things that I would recommend that I see, we love to have all the things by our bed. We have all the lotions and the potions and the essential oils and the, you know, all the books and all the, I don't do anything all like the that. Things. I don't know what you're talking right? about. Right. I know. <laughs> I know the healthy types. I, I get it. <laughs> and, you know, this, this, this better version of ourselves, right? And we're going to eventually use it, but it's not too tired, right? But all of those things generate their own noise. Mm-hmm. And so it's great to do an edit like once a month, what am I actually using? What am I actually needing? Like, where can I create open space? You know, something that I'll, I'll say often to my clients is luxury really is what you can afford to do without, right? Mm-hmm. So like, what can you let go of here to create some open space so it's less distraction, less noise, less interference? And I would say the same thing about what we keep in the room. So whether it's on the dresser or if we have chairs or a couch in there or even stuff under the bed, start being mindful about what you're letting share that space with you. And then something else that I'll say that I think and in, you know interferes with good sleep and feeling energized is this monochromatic palette that everyone loves, you know, just the really pristine whites and not knocking it. It's gorgeous. I love it. But when you understand color from the perspective of feng shui and specifically the five elements, you know, white is a little bit more of a demanding color and it can make it really hard to shut down the mental chatter. So sometimes when people reach out to me and they're dealing with a lot of anxiety, when they're having a hard time sleeping, I'm like, how can we bring in like a few darker colors? Because if you think about what dark does, it absorbs, it pulls you inward, it kind of quiets, it's about being reflective. So it's not about getting rid of a palette you love, it's about balancing it out and really playing to it in a way that caters to, again, vulnerability. Because that's what a bedroom is. It's like you said, sleep, it's sex, and it's stillness, right? Where we go to be alone with our thoughts or to meditate or to sort of kind of think through something that's what that space is designed for. And that will really help allow you that balance. That's so cool. Yeah. Yeah, You know, I definitely agree with that. And I see that in my own life. And especially when you talk about clearing the bedside table, that's a big one. I'm so guilty of that because I always have like six, seven books every one. Yeah, Um, I do too. I don't want people to think I'm perfect. I have stacks of them (laughs) and I will totally be transparent When I start a new project or when there's something really big, like I need to show up for something, that's when I'll get really serious because I don't want Mm -hmm. other voices interfering with my own. Yeah. 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 So it's a, it's a give and take for me too. (laughs) (laughs) Good to know that you're human as well. (laughs) Well, yeah, it's funny because we go to hotels and we travel or if we stay in a beautiful Airbnb, something like that. I heard that one of the most relaxing things is that there isn't just a bunch of shit everywhere. Like, yeah. And it's not necessarily just a lack of clutter because sometimes you go in those places and there are, you know, sculptures, books, all kinds of things, but it's something about the way the space is used and it's not overly taken up. You know, it's, it's kind of like graphic designs that way too. If you have enough white yeah. space, it yeah. looks better, feels better, it's easier to read. So again, I think this is just pervasive in every area of our life. And sleep is such a huge thing. I mean, during sleep is when our brain detoxifies. That's when we are actually repairing muscle fiber. We're burning fats. Like we are 
healing. There's so much work that our body is actually doing during sleep. And if our energy is being siphoned off by these other things, it diminishes our ability to really do all those other functions optimally. So those are awesome tips. Thank you for that. I'm excited to especially clear off my bedside table. We're pretty good with the other things. Like I'm just not someone that can sleep well with TV. It's too stimulating for me. Yeah. But I know a lot of people use that to to fall asleep too. So covering. Yeah. And honestly, practical. If, if people have like Fitbits or anything like that, I had this Mm -hmm. really cool experience years ago. I taught at the Dallas design district. I, some of their, you know, the designers have to get, you know, like take classes every year just to sort of stay, you know, not a certified, but what is the word I'm looking for accredited. And so I taught about, you know, the different spots in the home and what it meant. And we talked about the bedroom and I mentioned the TV. And, you know, of course, you always have some people who, like us, we don't have a TV. We're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then other people are like, never, right? right? So a couple weeks later, this designer reached out to me. She's like, hey, I was at your class and I wanted to tell you I had a client who I mentioned this to. So she covered her TV up. And her Fitbit, every time she covers her TV up, shows that she gets better, longer sleep than when her TV is uncovered. And I'm like, there you go. Now, see, I could sit there and say, you need to get rid of your TV, but why not let Fitbit do it, right? So I'm always like, just try things out because if it's going to work for you, you'll know. And if it's not, then move on. It's not for you. Come back to it another time. Exactly. And here's a huge plug for these trackers, you know, that we can wear. I wear an aura ring and I absolutely love it. It has completely transformed my sleep and recovery. And I, it's been a great tool for me because I can see daily data on how different choices affect me. And, you know, just having my bed made every day or, you know, whatever it is, like different things that I'm doing, obviously for me, you know, I'm tracking my exercise and my nutrition. So depending on what time I finish eating at night, or if I had a glass of wine or something that day, I can see all of that data in real time, like how that's affecting my sleep. So I think that that's a really good tool, especially for any of you, any of you out there who are struggling with sleep, not feeling rested, you know, struggling with energy, consider using one of these devices. I love the Aura Ring because you mentioned EMF. You can actually turn this onto airplane mode as you sleep and it still collects all your data and you just sync it up next thing in the morning. Then you can turn it back on airplane mode all day long if you want to. You're not going to miss anything. But it's not, again, an additional source of these electromagnetic fields that you're yeah. exposing yourself to. And, you know, one of these things doesn't emit a harmful amount of that, but we don't have a lot of data showing how much is harmful. We just know we're getting it <laughs> from all angles, right? And our Wi-Fi, the neighbor's Wi-Fi, if you live in an apartment building, like you've got all of this stuff. And then your TV, your remote controls, like all of the sources cumulatively can be automatic and we've seen those be damaging to people. So that I think is something to sort of be aware of and mitigate in your life. But the the trackers are great. I think they're very, very helpful. Yeah. So anything else you want to say about the bedroom before we move on? No, but here's what I will say. This will actually intrigue people. So, you know, one of the things that people will reach out to me for is like something is not happening for them, right? Whether it's like something with their work or, you know, their relationship or, you know, there, there seems to be a lack. 
And I can tell, you know, just by going in their bedroom, if they prioritize themselves or not. So your bedroom speaks so much to the relationships you're in in general, but certainly the relationship you have with yourself. And if you're not prioritizing yourself in your bedroom, and again, this is not meant to be like, you have to go spend a ton of money and you have to have your dream bedroom. It is about taking care of what you have to take care of. But if you're not prioritizing yourself in your bedroom, then it tells me that you're more worried about taking care of everyone else. Mm-hmm. And that's how you step out into the world. And, you know, unfortunately, no one's going to come around and say, I want to prioritize you, right? Like you have to make that, yeah. you know, the first thing that's on your to-do list every day. So I think a bedroom, because it bookends our days, right? It's how we start the day. It's what we wake up in usually. And it's where we go to sleep. It is having that steady influence. And so by just making that statement with how you choose what gets to be a bedfellow in your room really has a lot more bite, I think, than, you know, we probably would assume. Yeah, agreed. Very cool. Okay, so the next one, let's talk about the kitchen because this is a big one. It's another area of our home. It's often very central. We spend a lot of time in there. Everyone sort of congregates in the kitchen. And, you know, obviously for my people, the people listening, you know, nutrition is something that we are prioritizing or trying to prioritize. And, you know, one aspect that I'm always trying to help clients with is helping them sort of streamline food prep or have things organized in a way that makes it more fun and pleasant and easy for them to Mm -hmm. set themselves up for success. Right. And many of my clients are living, you know, here in the city in Seattle, they may not have a huge kitchen space. So what are the biggest things that we can keep in mind in our kitchen? I think kitchen is a kitchen. Well, from a feng shui perspective, it is considered a power spot. You know, we look at the front door being where you welcome energy into your life. We look at the bedroom, how you prioritize yourself. And then we look at the kitchen in terms of wealth and health, right? So these all, all you know, these areas all matter a lot when we're sort of assessing the energy of your home. So when you're talking about health and wealth in the kitchen, a couple things that I notice. One, a lot of times we spend too much of our time eating out or bringing food in and we're never actually stoking the stove or the oven. And that is considered the hearth of the home. You know, the stove and oven are so tied to prosperity and feng shui. And the reason for that is there was this belief that, you know, if you had the ability to feed many mouths, then you must be prosperous. And so Mm. because the universe saw you prosperous, Mm. it would provide you more opportunities to stay prosperous, right? It was also that you could feed your family. They would be strong and healthy. They could go out and earn money and bring that home. And so you have all of this symbolism that ties back to the kitchen. And so much of the time, we don't actually use our kitchen. We don't use the stove. We don't use the oven. So you know, whether it's trying to call in a partner or bring in more abundance, I'm like, crack open those cookbooks, (laughs) (laughs) you know, get to know your kitchen. I also think the kitchen is a sneaky place for clutter, right? Like we hold on to way too much or we over-accessorize. We have all the gadgets that we think are going to make a life so much easier and then we never (laughs) use them. And, you know, when you think about abundance, I want you to think of, you know, abundance is something that accumulates. 
right? So it's not something that you just get because if you get it, you want to hold on to it. So you've got to have room to receive it. You've got to be able to hold on to it. And when our kitchens are sort of suffocating from too much stuff, all the spices, all of the gadgets, all of the, you know, all of the things that we're being told we need and want and must have, we don't have room to actually receive what we want. And, and something you touched on a minute ago about how we love going to the Airbnbs or, you know, sort of like the nice hotels and there's not a lot of clutter. One of the things that I've noticed over the years of doing this is that people really want, it's not all the things that we want. We want more space and yeah. we want more time. Yeah. And so we get into this interesting negotiating with ourselves about, well, if I let this go then, and we start future tripping, but what we really want is over here. And the very thing that stands in the way is all this stuff that we're clinging to, that we're insisting Mm -hmm. on. So Mm -hmm. I just recommend going through your space and being mindful of, do you really use this? Is this something that's serving you? Do you have something that already serves this function or this purpose? So, you know, working with your stove and your oven, having sort of a, you know, an assessment of what's taking up space and is there room to receive? Like literally, is there room? Do you have open pockets of space in your kitchen? Because that is sort of a cat call to abundance. And then I would say the last thing is just prioritize fresh, especially when we're trying to be healthy. So mm-hmm. when I will encourage people to buy flowers, they're like, well, I don't even know where to put them. Put them in the kitchen. The kitchen screams, you know, wealth and abundance. So what a great thing to bring in there. I love to have fresh oranges out on the table. They're really symbolic and feng shui. They speak to like, you know, the good life, but whatever fresh fruit you'll eat you know, keep it out. But having something that is providing you that really yang or yang energy is going to help you start to feel more motivated. It's going to help you with that follow through. It's just going to be that little bit of lift that over time adds up. So those are three things that I would strongly recommend for the kitchen. Awesome. I love those. I did the bowl of oranges thing when I first heard that from you and it really is, it's cool. I mean, it looks nice. You don't really, yeah, okay, it looks nice. Again, you say it's cumulative, you know, so I think it's kind of as we chip away at these things and try different things, we'll find what works best for us and what's doable. And again, it's not about perfection and doing all the things all at once. I mean, so many people that I work with are very type A and they're sort of all or nothing personalities. And that's something that we work really hard on as far as mindset goes to start understanding and embracing the fact that success lies in the gray area. It's never yeah. a or nothing. It's embracing the fact that perfectionism or perfection in general is a mess. It doesn't exist. It's not a thing. It's not real. And that if you can approach things and just know that, hey, even if I do it imperfectly, I'm making some progress. I'm growing and it's good. It's good enough. And you yeah. on that. And it gives you that, like you said, that motivation, right? People... Mm-hmm. I think we all believe this myth that we're like either super motivated all the time or we're just not. And there's people mm-hmm. that are just motivated all the time. And it's like, no, you know, fitness, eating healthy. I mean, even as a nutrition and fitness professional, do I eat perfectly all the time? No. Am I always motivated to do it? No. But I'm way more motivated now more consistently than I used to be. It just took time and patience and work and growth to get to the point where it's like, more often than not, I'm motivated, but I still have those yeah. days when motivation's in the tank and I need all the help that I can get. And so 
you know, the kitchen is the way to do that. Like set yourself up for success, have these things that are energy boosters that make it a space that's more approachable and fun where you're more likely to take the time to make something really healthy and good for yourself, even when your energy is low. Yeah. Well, and I'll say this too. I think that because I have a lot of type A clients as well who are like, tell me all the things to do and all the things is the clue, right? (laughs) And I'll try them Because I find when we sort of tackle something like it's a checklist, when you're talking about life transformation, that's setting yourself up for disappointment because it suggests that you don't trust one or two of the things to work on their own. So it really lets desperation into the conversation. And for me, I'm like, you're co-creating with your home. The work that I do, I want you to see your home as this living, breathing partner. It wants you to succeed. And the way to do that, the, the most efficient way, let me say, to do that is make one or two changes. Let the energy change. You're steeping in it. Let it influence you so that you feel a little better. You're on a bit higher ground. And then you can come back to the list of things and see what resonates with you from there. Because when you feel better, you're going to see things a little bit differently. And so then you implement maybe another change or two, and that starts to change your space. And then you benefit from it. And then again, a little bit more higher ground. And it just keeps going from there. That's the ladder that I want people to get on. Because I find that when we do all the things, we're exhausted. But more importantly, now we're not available to even noticing what's working and what's not because we've done too much and we're not really receptive. Right. right. And so there's no, there's no win. Yeah. There's no win trying to be like, I did it all. I won the marathon. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. If you haven't read it and anyone listening, I highly recommend the book, Tiny Habits. Might be Dave oh, Fogg. Yeah. He yes. heads up the um, behavioral research lab at Stanford. Such just a lovely, humble person. And his audiobook is great too. He narrates it. It's really good. But that's his whole premise is that we don't form new habits necessarily by repetition or time of repetition, but by feeling successful, right? Mm-hmm. Or having that positive kind of emotional feedback when we do something. And if we can create these small enough goals, we can feel successful and then we can kind of build on that. And so I think that this is that same concept, you know, just start yeah. small, pick something that feels doable, like go for the low hanging fruit first. Maybe yeah. that's buying a bag of oranges and throwing them in a pretty bowl, whatever it is, you know, start small and then add on as you're able and just chip away at it versus trying to jump in with all fours and do everything all at once, which is just a recipe for failure. So Yeah. That's great. Other spaces. So here's one that I'm super curious to hear your thoughts about. Mm-hmm. A lot of us are working out from home now since COVID. Mm-hmm. And I I don't live close to a gym. I live like a full 15-minute drive, which adds a half an hour round trip for me if I'm going to go to a gym. So that is enough of a hurdle that I won't be consistent with my workouts. So even before COVID, we set up a little, you know, we have a home office slash gym. And um you know, that's a great way for me to stay consistent because it's right there. I can do it. So I was really lucky to have that set up already, but I know for some people, this is still a pretty new thing to have their workout space within their home. And sometimes, and often it is a smaller space. It's a Mm multi-purpose space. So what are your thoughts around that? Because obviously it's that, you know, motivation piece again, like we want to feel motivated and 
energetic enough to get the workout in to actually do it, which then, hey guys, guess what? You're more energetic when you actually exercise. So yeah, it can be this nice snowball effect. But what are your thoughts around home home workout spaces? So, I mean, I think they're great as long as they're not in the bedroom, if at all possible, right? Because again, it's just that, you know, it's just that influence of, you know, you should be doing this or you've got to do this. And that's not, I mean, not all of us just love working out, right? Like there's an effort required. So having that out of the bedroom, if possible, best case scenario, however you set it up, you know, it has to work for you. Everyone's spaces are so different and you're right. A lot of times it's sort of relegated to the least used spot or a small spot where it feels the least intrusive. So, you know, as long as it's being used, you know, it's when you go into the workout spaces and it's got like the dry cleaning over it yeah. or, you know, there it's just sort of become a rack of some sort right. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that then I'm like, okay, Let's talk about this. Why are we holding on to this? And then the other thing I would say is in terms of motivation, and this is, you know, kind of going a little bit more advanced into a functional conversation, but, you know, one of the things that we work with are the five elements and the element wood is associated with like breaking new ground, new goals, new beginnings, Mm. fresh starts. It's that energy of spring. So having plants, in the space could be really helpful. But anything that is sort of associated with the element wood would also work well. I have a lot of that on my blog. So I, you know, we don't need to go through the whole list here, but that would be a great thing to check out. I would also say in terms of motivation, you know, because exercise is, you know, associated with this element, even just having like your workout clothes sort of laid out for you, like really right. preparing yeah. yourself yeah. for success so that you follow through with that, all of those things are really great. You want to, again, create the invitation, create the inevitability of it is really what, you know, I would say I would focus on for that space more so than like where it was located outside of the bedroom. (laughs) (laughs) Tell me what you mean exactly by creating the inevitability of it. I mean, just leaning into another behavior that morning, a routine of some sort, or it is like when we're in the presence of our goal, right? When we're really committed to something and we create the least amount of interference or we clear up anything that stands between us and following through, there's a good chance that if, because I, I do think that when we set an intention, there's always a flickering second or moment where it's like, okay, you got to do this. And it's whether we show up for the assignment or we give ourselves a pass right? Like there's that moment. I, I genuinely believe that. And it's okay. Like a lot of people are like, now nah, I'm in the past. I'm not feeling it. But if you can follow through and grab a hold of that, and then you have the space, once you get into it, then it just becomes like, this is who you are now. Right. So you want to remove any sort of resistance. Yeah. That might be in the way. Right. And there's a lot of different, I mean, there's so many different ways that that shows up, you know, like you're, you know, you don't, you don't schedule the time, meaning you don't plan on it or you schedule time and it doesn't work because other things are going on around the space or you don't have the things laid out. And now all of a sudden it's taking more time than you intended, like really think through it so that the yes is super easy to grab onto. Absolutely. And as far as just rooms go, mm-hmm. Correct me if I'm wrong. I would definitely tell someone if they've got a Peloton, for example, which a lot of people do, mm-hmm. put that maybe in your living room in front of your television versus the bedroom 
or put it someplace where it's in a space where you're less likely to throw clothes over it and cover it up yes. and maybe tuck it away if you have limited space. For example, yeah. I have started a new practice of either stretching or doing body weight exercises while I'm watching TV with my husband in the evening because I realized I was sitting there for like two hours straight on my butt, sometimes more if it was a weekend and we were just exhausted, whatever. And I was like, sitting that long, A, it affects my sleep negatively and I can see it, <laughs> my data. Mm -hmm. But my joints just don't feel as good when I'm sitting for a long time. I feel like it's wasted time. And I just feel better when I'm moving or doing something. And as someone who has struggled with chronic pain in the past, like sitting down and doing some stretching before going to sleep, it calms my nervous system. I have less body pain. Like everything is better. <laughs> everything is better. Wow. So I have this little, it's not a yoga mat, but it's like a really squishy soft mat so that it cushions like my knees if I'm doing, you know, push-ups or something like that. And it sits on the floor in front of our TV. Now it's not always there because I don't like the look of a mat lying on my ground, but it's, you know, something that I bring out almost every evening and I sit there and do it. And sometimes I'll just leave it out there if we're not yeah. in a company or whatever. And, you know, that's a space I'm not usually in necessarily or walking through my daily routine until we're kind of at the end of the evening, we're relaxing now. So it's not something that's visually bothering me if I have my mat sitting in front of the couch. But that just visual prompt of having it there, it's like, oh, mm -hmm. I don't need to sit here on my butt for an hour and a half while we watch the show. Like I can actually get down on the ground, do some stretching, do some, you know, I don't know, core work, like lifts, whatever it is. Any other tips around those kinds of things that people can do? No, I think you, I think you're exactly right on. Like having, having things where you're going to, I don't want to say feel provoked, but reminded. You know, and again, the bigger thing here is really making your space work for you. So that's what happens is this is, you just touched on something that's so important is a lot of times we're like, oh no, it can't be the living room because that's the more social area of our home and we don't want people to judge us. So we yeah. put everything in the bedroom and this goes back to what I was saying earlier. Like when everything starts hiding in the bedroom, I know you're putting other people before you, but then you're hiring people to help you figure out how to stand out or how to be taken more seriously or how to prioritize you. And it's like, but it has to start with you. So yes. make the living room work for you the way it needs to work for you or whatever room it is, you know? And again, not everyone has the luxury of extra square footage to have their right. own exercise room. So it's like, exactly. where does this make the most sense? Yeah. And, and, and the other thing too is, you know, I know that a lot of people be like, especially if they have an extra room, like let's say they have a guest room. This is so common. And they are working from the kitchen table or they're working from their bed. And I'm like, why are we not using the guest room, you know, mm -hmm. for your office? And the, you know, the excuse or the, you know, explanation is, well, because we have company over. All right. How often? Like really do the math. How often are you having someone over? Because even if it is, a hundred nights a year, which is a lot, that's still 265 nights that that space is not yeah. being used. Right. And right. so here you are sacrificing that <laughs> for the company, right? And so it's about understanding your space and not letting what you think society or design trends or even mm -hmm. the builder of your home dictate for you, right? Like yeah. really yeah. making the space help you live the life that you want to live. Yes. And perfect point because 
everything that we're going to talk about on this podcast, everything that I talk about in my practice is about making things work for you. It's not just jumping on the bandwagon because everybody's doing it. And well, if it worked for Susie next door, it'll work for me. If it doesn't work for me, I'm a failure. Like all of that nonsense, it's really about stepping back and going, okay, there may be elements of different things that work for others that might work for me too, but I'm going to filter things out and readily let go of what doesn't and then embrace yeah. the stuff that does and really personalize this whole experience. So yeah, so thanks for making that point because I think it is really crucial. And I think so many women especially do put everyone else's needs as a higher priority than our own. And that's how we end up here. You know, we've put our job first, our team first, our kids, partners, parents, whatever it may, whoever it may be. And there are times when that's to some degree a necessity, right? Although I would argue that self-care has to be in place all the time, because if you fry and bring yourself out, like no one's going to yeah. have it in the long run. But at this point in our lives and the women we're talking with here, it's really about going, okay, my self-care, my health, my well-being, my happiness is really a priority now. And it's enough already of putting it on the back burner and putting all these other things or telling myself the story that all these other things are more important. When in actuality, what is more important than your health? Like nothing, yeah. nothing. So yeah, thanks for bringing that point up because I think it's a really crucial thing to reiterate, right? And yeah. for us to just embrace and go, this is not selfish. This is actually caring for myself. It helps me to show up better in the world. It helps me to be more emotionally available for the people who I love and the things that I want to do and accomplish if I can make a difference in the world and you know, live my purpose, yeah. et cetera. So yeah, there's a, when you look at the feng shui map, you know, and we haven't really gone into that, but you know, you have all these different life areas that are represented in your home. And if you apply this map to your home, you can sort of read where different areas of your life are represented. But what's interesting, speaking about that health is at the center of that map there, it's a tic-tac-toe board. If you think about, you know, a three by three grid, it's a tic-tac-toe board. And at the very middle is the health area. And it's interesting because you think about it, if you don't have your health, the quality of all those other life areas that it touches suffers right. too. Yeah. So it is really about understanding that you have to put yourself at the top of your own to-do list every single day. It has to be a choice and it has to be deliberate because people are happy to take your time. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. I was telling you, like your job, like there's no company out there that's going to thank you at the end of the day for sacrificing your health for them. Right. Right. That's, I mean, that's just right. it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I know that we are running long here, but I have a couple more questions I'd love to cover okay. with you if you have time. Oh, absolutely. Um, okay. So health-wise, you may know I worked at a chronic illness clinic for years and I've worked with a lot of people with Lyme disease and complex chronic illnesses. When it comes to someone that's maybe struggling with that, where they're doing all the work, they're doing treatments, you know, they're seeing the right practitioners, they're working on their nutrition, but maybe there's just, you know, this next level of health that they're trying to break through and can't seem to. Are there any very specific feng shui practices that those people should focus on in their home when it comes to just overall healing or anything stagnant when it comes to, you know, yeah. the body's natural healing process? 
So, I mean, there are quite a few things, like a lot of super specific things that I would probably say are best, like in a, you know, one-on-one conversation, just so that people aren't grabbing, you know, it's a grab bag. But here's what I'll say. One, I would really, and this sounds disconnected, but it's not, I would really love up on the front door or the entry of your home, because that's where you welcome opportunities, new perspectives, fresh energy into your life. It sounds crazy, but it, you know, the front door is like your own mouth, you know, where we take in what we need, food, water, nourishment, you know, oxygen, the front door is the same thing. And so I just think when you're trying to infuse yourself with something new or refreshed, a little bit of front door love, and again, not anything that feels overly done, but just like sweeping or wiping down, you know, the door and the the hardware, having fresh flowers out there, or certainly getting rid of anything that's struggling, which would then be my next suggestion. Being mindful of anything in your home that suggests struggle, mm-hmm. right? That's such an important thing. We, again, become very tolerant of our surroundings. And it's like, no, I'm going to rehab these plants. I really am. But are you? Like, yeah. I, I, I want to too, right? But there's a point yeah. where clearly... You have, you know, you're beyond your pay grade, <laughs> yes, you know, in terms like of, right it just needs to go. yes, and it's, <laughs> it you know, and right. it's, you can thank the plant and let it go. But you see this like with like landscaping, like what's happening around the home. Everyone gets super ambitious in the spring and they plant all the things and then they don't want to go out and water or deadhead or turn the soil or fertilize or do any of the things that's going to keep that energy, that chi percolating in their favor. So that's another thing. You know, when you talk about stagnant chi, that's a really great way to wake up and energize the space. And then I'd be mindful too of rooms where nothing ever changes. Uh, So like, you know, and this can be overwhelm, right? Like, oh my gosh, there's so much stuff in there. And one of these days I'm gonna have all the energy to conquer it. But it can also be the room that is so beautifully done. You know, a lot of us probably went to homes like this when we were growing up where it's like, oh, no one goes in there. Like that's right. the formal living room or that's like yeah. the formal dining room, right? Or like even our grandmother's, you know, mine like had the plastic covering on the furniture, yeah. right? Like you have to be oh, so careful where you sat. <laughs> yes. Um, yes. Like that kind of stuff is going to suffocate chi if it's not being used. And it okay. can also be the beautiful room that you had the designer do that is like, perfect, but it's kind of lost its wow. And you don't feel like you have permission to change things around because you paid so much money for it, or you really loved it once upon a time, but it's okay still, right? When we're not moving things around, nothing's moving. And when it turns into like a chronic way of living, that can contribute to chronic situations, you know, in terms of our thinking, in terms of how we feel, and certainly in terms of experiences we're having. That's really powerful. I love that. And I think that anytime that we feel stuck, you know, whether it's chronic illness or whether it's like, oh, I just can't seem to stay consistent with nutrition, with my workouts, projects I need to complete for my business, whatever it is, I think that that's a really, really key one. That's what I'm going to put to use for sure in my own life. Yeah. Let me say this too, just because I think this is always such a powerful way to really get it. I love issuing this challenge to anyone. When we think that we're not on autopilot, I always say, go into the kitchen and move around like the drawers, 
Like put the silverware in a different drawer, put the, you know, whatever, the spices, whatever you keep in the drawers, just move them all around. And then notice how many times you go back to where you think things are. That is how on autopilot we get. That is how checked out we are. And if that is happening in all of your spaces, that just means that energy is moving through the same way in your life every single day. And when you move things around, it forces you to wake up. It makes you pay more attention. You have to be really bright and on your toes. And that changes what you see and what you're calling into your life. So just those little shifts can make a big difference. Awesome. Okay, cool. So if there are like just, I don't know, three to five, I know you always do your, you know, your five countdown. Yeah. (laughs) I love, anyway, just a handful of tips. Like if people just want like three to five ways where they can start taking steps or little feng shui tips, what would those top ones be that people could start out with? I would say my favorite, and because they're super accessible for pretty much everyone, I would say if you have a front door, sweep. It is when I first started, you know, uh, consulting and people would be like, I can't do this or I can't do that. You know, I was running into a bunch of excuses. I was like, okay, if you can do nothing else, just sweep. Again, it's that preparation of like releasing what is no longer needed, right? Mm -hmm. But creating a welcoming space for something new. It's really powerful. And I would say to date, it's one of the top tips that I've shared in terms of feedback and stories I've gotten, just what has happened. So anytime you're doing something new, setting new intentions, getting yourself ready for a new week, find a way to stitch that in because that is a really powerful ritual of just creating and maintaining a little bit of space for improving what comes into your life. Another tip, and I've said this already, but, you know, find a way to make an offering to your home. I like to do it with fresh Mm. flowers, but honestly, it could be like, okay, every week I'm going to do something small for my space. So this week, the weather's nice. I'm going to open the windows. Next week, I'm going to move furniture around and kind of vacuum or dust behind there. Maybe I'll keep things moved around or maybe I'll put them back, but I'm going to just give the space a judge. Maybe this week I'm going to buy fresh flowers for three different rooms in the house. Maybe the next week I'm going to have people over so that there's just like that really big energy in my home. Yeah. Like, But find a way to make these little offerings to your home because I want you to think of them like positive chi deposits, right? And they're adding up in the bank, right? And so what happens is when you do this with consistency in your space, when life happens as it does, feng shui certainly is not an inoculation. It's not going to prevent things from happening. It's that your house can hold you up. It's like it doesn't, these things don't have to take you all the way down. Like you, you make a quicker comeback. The rebound is faster. So the nice things are a really great thing to do. I'd say when things feel really stale, you know, you're just like, oh my gosh, it's just like I'm in this monotonous rut. Move 27 things around. Mm -hmm. That's one of my favorites. And people love doing that. And you can get as crazy as you want with it. You can move 27 things in every room. You can just move 27 things in the whole house. You know, if you're someone who struggles with clutter, you might change it up and say, okay, I'm going to get rid of 27 things. But the reason we love that is, you know, three is such a engaging, energizing number. You know, you'll see designers work with it a lot. They'll put things in groups of three because it's such an activating number. And so when you take three times three times three, you're going to get 27. And that's kind of what we're playing with there. So that is a really great way 
to wake up the space. And then I would say, I guess the last thing, if I could tell you one thing to do, you know, have something in each room that you really love. Start there. Like have a focal point, something in the room that really you love. And at first, it doesn't have to be something that everyone notices, but as long as you know you've planted it there and let that start to take up space and then see what transforms. Because you don't have to know what all the different areas of your home mean, but if you start planting love in those spaces, it's certainly going to infiltrate those areas of your life. I love it. It's super practical. And um, yeah, thank you for that. Because I know for me, if Again, like if I allow myself to look at the big picture of all the things, then I can get too in my head, overwhelmed, et cetera. <laughs> so just yeah. having like a couple little little tweaks <laughs> that feel really easy and accessible is so helpful. So, And lastly, I would love for you to tell us about your book and that I know you have a new program out. So tell us where people can find you and what you got going on. Okay. So lots of new things. You're catching me right on the cusp of a ton of new things. So I would say the best first place to find me and to learn more is to go to Instagram. Ton, ton, ton of information over there. So that is a way for you to sort of see, learn, but not need to have any, you know, visibility. You can lurk, you can stalk, you can <laughs> learn a ton about feng shui. And I would say also sign up for my newsletter because that's another place that I, you know, share a lot of feng shui. So those two places, you can sign up for my newsletter at simpleshui.com. After that, I would say the book is fantastic. So just like the tips that we were sharing there at the end, my book, Simple Shui for Every Day, 365 Ways to Feng Shui Your Life, there's a tip for every single day that's pretty simple, that's easily digestible. It was something when I was brand new to feng shui and I wasn't ready to start figuring out like this landscape, what can I do? Because I was enjoying the little things I was doing, but I didn't want to have to keep buying more books to sure. figure out more little things to do. So this is 365 of those and you don't have to do them in order. They're not time specific. But it's just a great resource if you want to just dip and dive. After that, I would say, yeah, I have a six-week course that is launching later this week. So it's probably launched by the time you're listening to this. Yeah. Yeah, where you can learn. It's basically what my consult process is. I teach it to you and you feng shui your own house. And then there are other ways that you can work with me and you can find those over on on my site as well. And then the last thing is I have a podcast that's probably out by now when you're listening to this. It's house therapy. Um, And so, yeah. So it's another great way to learn feng shui, you know, in the comfort of your own home and schedule. So all those places, lots of feng shui for you if you are hungry for it. (laughs) I love it. I'm so excited for your podcast because I'm such a podcast monkey and I am often driving or walking working out and so that's what's on my headphones <laughs> it's a podcast of some sort so oh good that. that makes me excited <laughs> yeah awesome well anything final that you want to add that we didn't cover today we covered a lot of ground yeah it was yeah great information I mean people are gonna have to come back and take notes <laughs> <laughs> yeah and I'll include in the show notes like where to find you and links and all of that and if there's anything that you think of we can always add that later too yeah. but I just am so appreciative and grateful for your time. This was super, super fun. It was a lot of um, really helpful information. I just think that it's, you know, if we can take a holistic approach to 
our overall wellness, you know, including our spaces, it, it's an element that people don't often think of. So, but I think it's one of the most important ones, right? So yeah, so this is all fantastic, super useful information that I think people are really going to benefit from. So thank you. Oh, thanks for having me. It was, it was great. And if people have questions or we need to do a follow-up, I'm game. <laughs> awesome. Sounds good. Follow-up episode down the road for sure. We'll do it again. All right, Amanda. Well, thank you. And we will see you. All right. Thanks so much. Okay. Bye. Hey there. Thanks for hanging out with me today. And if you enjoyed the show, please subscribe and leave me a quick review. Also check out the show notes for links to connect, follow, and share this podcast and for information featured in each episode. See you next time. I am not a doctor and the content here should not be taken as medical advice. All information in this podcast is for informational purposes only, does not constitute medical advice, and does not establish any kind of practitioner or coach-client relationship. This podcast is not a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Do not disregard medical advice or delay seeking medical advice because of information you hear in this podcast or any other, and do not start or stop any medications without speaking to your health provider. Always seek the advice of a qualified health practitioner before undertaking a new health regimen. This podcast and website represents the opinion of Jeannie Oliver and guests to the show. Opinions of guests are their own and do not reflect the opinions of Jeannie Oliver Wellness LLC or our producers.